Today on the No City on the Sideline Dad podcast, episode number 31. Do you zig and zag as a parent? Well, my guests, Corey and Mike, authors of Zag Zig Parenting, they zag and they zig as parents. We talk about what it's like to be a parent and stay and stay at home dad and a working mom. My question for you is, is this thing as being a perfect parent? Hmm. We'll answer that question next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Welcome to No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast. I want to say thank you for being here. I know. This dad and a parent and a busy adult are times limited and stretched. We're always going from one place to another. or You're always trying to find, do I have enough time to take care of that? Thank you for listening. If this is your first time to listen to the podcast, welcome. This is a podcast about having a conversation, being a busy adult and a dad and a parent. Issues and topics related to being a dad and a parent or just a busy adult. I mean, it's interesting this journey so far in this podcast. I've come across many different people so far in many different fields and and books and topics about being a parent and adult and and kind of help us in the journey you know the journey of life let's get involved no more sitting on the sideline what i mean by that is you need to get involved as a dad and a parent it's important it's our job you know they, they depend on us to show them the way and stuff like that and it's fun because i like being involved dad even though i'm Recently divorced, I tried to be involved as much as I possibly can because I loved spending the time with my son. Believe me, I love to watch sports. I love to do other things. But when he's with me, it's his time. It's important to me that I share the moments with him because they go by so fast because it's funny. I'm just recently, start of the school year just started, and you see all the pictures of all the kids, and especially my son too, for the years, you know, they, their first grade, the fifth grade pitcher, my son's going to pre-K, but I see the pictures of the year before when he's in preschool and stuff like that. It's, it time goes by so fast. It's why it's important to get involved. This podcast was a weekly podcast, except this week. This is a two episode and kind of a, this is kind of a bonus episode. It'd be dedicated to have a sense community. What I mean by that is I want to talk to you. Yes, you, the one listening to the earbuds, listening to me talk. I want to talk to you. That's right. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to know what, what is your, what's bugging you. You know what you can do on the right-hand corner? If you go to the website, nosittingonthesideline.com, you can see a speed pipe button there. You can leave a voicemail or leave a comment in the um, show notes, or you can send me a message. You can find all my contact information at nosittingonthesideline.com slash contact. All comments help improve the podcast. I know we're all going through the same issues. I hate saying same. We're going somewhere. You know, being a parent, a dad, and a busy adult. I'm not an expert. I'm just a dad on a journey. Trying to figure out this one step at a time in this crazy world. So, get involved. On today's episode, my guests, Corey Reed and Mike Becker. And their book is called Zag Zig Parenting. I also like a little description on the title of the book that says, 
Misadventures of a Career-Driven Mom and a Stay-at-Home Dad. This is one of the videos that I thought was very interesting in the sense that I had a lot of good laughs. They were a very fun couple to talk to. Corey and Mike were the great guests on this episode. They have given insight to a career-driven mom and a stay-at-home dad. Mike talks about being his ins and outs of being a stay-at-home dad and for 20 years, and Corey gives her perspective of being a working mom. Things you talk about in this episode is how to organize your family, because they had four kids, and it could be hectic. How to have a sense of humor about being a parent, because being a parent itself is stressful. You gotta laugh at yourself. Also about paying for other parents. Life as a stay-at-home dad, mom, and, and also mom and dads do not see things the same way when they're parenting their children. So let's jump into the interview with Mike and Corey, the authors of Zag Zig Parenting. Today on the No City on the Sideline Dad podcast, my guests Corey Reed and Mike Becker, both authors of Zag Zig Parenting, parent of proud parent of four kids, and they share the adventures in parenting. Welcome to the podcast, Corey and Mike. Thanks, hey, Joe. Joe. Thanks, thanks. Good to be here. Yeah, we appreciate sharing with a fellow parent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to ask, you guys got four kids, and, and, and I know you're both, and, and the world's very busy. What is one of the one of the best times, quality time to spend with all four kids together? Yeah, I think it's funny. I'll, this is Corey. I'll start. I, I think it's it's <laughs> funny just because in our book, Mike's been a stay at home dad for twenty years, and I've been the working mom. I think the the um, I kind of chuckle because I could handle a boardroom with twenty people talking at the same time, but coming home to four excited kids at one time got overwhelming for me sometimes. <laughs> Um, and so, but I think there is also joy in that in terms of, um, I'm the youngest child in my family, youngest of three, but our fourth child is extremely loud. I think he just learned how to get his voice out there. Hmm. And even sometimes you have to say, dude, turn the volume down. <laughs> yeah, I think for me too, Joe, um, uh, like Corey said, it's, it was, it was chaos at times in the house with the four kids and everybody going different directions, but when when my wife was actually home and we actually had um, all four kids um, home at the same time, the family dinners were part of my favorite part of the day. Where we could all just sit down, talk about you know. Corey would always say, "What's the what are the three best things that happened today?" And we'd all go around the table, talk about the day and what happened, and um, it was a good time for all of us to just kind of chill and be together and have a good meal. It's interesting, and then both the revol- I'm not saying it's kind of. I'm kind of common nowadays. Actually, you see a lot of dad groups now popping up. Stay at home dads, and how is it the roles reversed? How do you guys handle that? Yeah, you know, we um, started this. So our kids now are 21, 19, 18, and fifteen. So Mike started staying home when our first one was little over one years old. And so um, for us, what happened is, and we, and actually in between there, Joe, we moved. So each of our children were born in a different state. So for my career, we had the opportunity to move a few times and we joke around that each time we moved, we had a child. So something, something happened in between there. Uh, <laughs> we're not moving again. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now that the youngest is 15. But I really do think um, that when we did this initially, and we can talk more about that, but I've, I've when I was 16 year old, 16 years old, I knew I wanted to marry someone staying with the kids. Um, we, we didn't think about it until we were in a situation where, um, uh, we had a laugh where we said, Oh, that's what happens when dad's home during the day. And, and I'm not, so for us, it became just the way we worked. 
Um, and I, if you want to add, like when you when you went took the kids to activities in Virginia, like how people would respond. Well, you know, I would be the only dad at Kinder Music or at um, play group or whatever it would be, and so. You know, the teacher would always say, all right, moms, let's get up and dance. Come on, let's get up and sing. And, and so basically, Joe, I just came, became one of the one of the moms. And <laughs> you know what? I was fine with that. Finally, they figured it out. And they're like, all the moms and dads get up. <laughs> so, but I do, yeah, I do love actually, Joe, your point about being um, not being on the sidelines, because I do th- I love that message of. You know, we we don't write the book to advocate the stay-at-home dad and the working mom situation. We want to recognize that there are all sorts of families out there. And I think the point is just, hey, whatever you, whatever you can do, just get in and get involved. Don't sit on the sidelines. So I really love that about your your podcast and your site. Well, thank you very much. It's it's being involved. I mean, it's funny. When, I'm, I'm, I mean, probably from our generation, you guys too, my generation, is dads didn't get involved and in, in now like they do nowadays. A- absolutely. Sure. And I think we left... We both came from very, well, I'd say traditional homes where dad worked and mom stayed home. And later on, my mom worked outside when I was in high school. But I think still, you're absolutely right. And so it's kind of neat to see a lot of um, podcast and active dads popping up. And um, and for us, it's just a really celebration of that fact. And and I think, you know, credit to Mike, he was kind of a pioneer at the time. And, you know, he took some tough hits when, when a, mm-hmm. you know, he met the well, you can talk about this. Well, story. yeah, I met a surgeon one time. His uh, wife was out of town, and I got to know her pretty well at uh, waiting for gymnastics to end. And we always would talk, and she was always a, a pleasant, nice uh, woman. And then her husband came one day, and he sat next to me, and he started asking me questions about being a stay-at-home dad and how can I feel like that gives me a sense of pride and a sense of dignity that I am – I'm not doing anything except taking care of my kids. And, um, you know, for me, I, I was fine with it. I, I took it in stride. I, I said, listen, to me, I heard this a long time ago that they're not going to write on my tombstone how hard of a worker I was or how, um, how I progressed in the company. They're going to write about how involved I was as a father and how loving I was as a spouse. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's an ego thing, I think, for a lot of men when they first start out, or at least it was for me, to um, give up what I'm supposed to do and be the breadwinner. Uh, but once I was able to get over that ego piece, um, everything fell in place really well for me. It's interesting. I was reading in the book a little bit about an article was um, written about you. I know you want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, funny. I think that he, um, when I got her, our fourth child wasn't born yet. So it was probably our third child. And it was called, um, uh, man among men, man among yeah. moms. Yeah. Man among moms. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it, it was right around the, uh, father's day and I had started several, probably a year or so before that I'd started a, a local play group in our area. And we'd actually, um, with dads, with dads yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, with, with stay at home dads. And we had gotten some coverage by the local paper for doing that and so forth. And, um, I think that was kind of, the follow-up to that, they said, hey, we really like to do a story on you and your family for Father's Day. And so, yeah, it was kind of a neat deal. They followed us around. They got a good chance to interview us. They followed Corey to work and kind of really got a, a glimpse of what it was that we do every day. But I would say that even then, Joe, I think we write in the book that um, one of my very good friends, 
another working mom called me and, and while she was very supportive, she said some of the reaction from her relatives were, oh my gosh, isn't he embarrassed to be in the paper saying that? And so I, I do think what we've had to learn over time is, and, and you know this too, Joe, we all go through our own challenges and single parenting and dual parenting and, um, you know, people feel like they can judge all the time. And so I think sometimes something we've had to learn is, um, you know, what's the best for our kids. And I'm not saying that's why we call it misadventures. We didn't do always, we weren't always the best. So that's the book is not about lecturing. It's really about, Hey, here's where we've had some, some fall down moments, but, um, but the whole idea of learning that when somebody really is judging, it's, it's, they're more their issue than it is ours. And, you know, for us, the, the gauge has to be, um, how are our kids doing? And, you know, while knock on wood, you know, so far we're we're doing okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember I can I, I can I can talk to another father dad and I was in the park with my son and I can remember and, and he had like three kids and and we joked around. There's no owner manual. You just got to figure it out for yourself. Sometimes you're absolutely right. And there's this great author um, I like her a lot, Brene Brown. She's actually a, 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 a PhD on. She talks writes a lot about vulnerability, and she has this book called Imperfect Parenting. And she talks about the fact that. No, there's really no manual for parenting. And so we have all these ratings we give, but honestly, things change. And doing some research from the book, I had a laugh. When I grew up, my mom loved Dr. Spock. When Mike and our parents were younger, we loved Dr. Brazelton. I'm sure there's a new person today that we don't even, you know, because our kids are older now. But um, there was a point in time where one of the parenting techniques was to literally leave your child outside as long as possible, even in the cold weather. And when they went to bed at night, to not feed them during the night. So I think it's funny how this evolves, right? And these are like, this is really, I mean, as you point out, Joe, it's a very serious business raising kids, right? Exactly. <laughs> we laugh, but we laugh because it's part of our coping mechanism. Sometimes like, oh my gosh, we tell our oldest all the time, you know, thank goodness you teach us to be better parents. Your our, your brother gets to benefit from that as the youngest child, but we might've messed up on you a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a little trial and error on the first one. Uh, we fixed it on the second one. Maybe yeah. by the fourth one, you got it perfect. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not even claiming perfect. I'm like we better. I'd say better. Better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what is what has been some challenges though? It, it, it being um you know work you're a working mom and he's a stay and Mike you're a stay at home dad. How has been? What's been some challenges in communication? Because I know that's important. Because especially when you have like a little you know you get four kids, it's 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 that's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, I, I Mike, do you want to start? Yeah. As you can tell, my wife is a big communicator. <laughs> She's, she has no problem at all telling her opinion or getting your point across. And um, and so she and I are um, opposite ends of the spectrum. Let's just say that. Um, and I think for a lot of reasons, um, my kids have been better off having me home than her. Um, but it definitely does. Communication is definitely the key. And, and um, I'm going to be honest, we haven't always had it figured out. We've been through a lot, a lot of family counseling on this to try to get to a good spot because it was important to the two of us to work out our issues and try as hard as we could on almost all things parenting-wise, at least, to be on the same page and support each other. So I think uh, it's, been a, it's been a learning process for sure. Yeah, and I can give a specific example, Joe, that we actually mentioned in the book that um, you know, when we, we first, with our first child... Um, uh, we, both of us worked until she was about a, we got transferred when she was about a year old. So then I said, Hey, we're getting transferred to a small town in Virginia. Will you try staying home? 
And, um, and we're expecting number two. And so he did begrudgingly. It wasn't like he was thrilled with this. And, um, but then I was still doing all the cooking and the cleaning, everything else. And finally, one day I read this book called the family manager by Kathy Peel. And this is Joe, where I, as a wife will say, it was probably one of the worst moves I made in our marriage. And, and I, to this day, I'm like, okay, we've gone through counseling. We're, we've been married 24 years now, but it was <laughs> not the greatest moment. But I handed book Mike the book called Family Manager. I said, look, you've been promoted. You're now the man. <laughs> I don't suggest Joe communicating that way. <laughs> it made for a rough, rough year. But it was interesting when there's a lot of information out there now I'm sure you've seen about you know, sharing the roles and, and what men do. And I actually think there are many men who are quite active and involved in their families, yet these stereotypes are so strong that men aren't, that that holds true. But honestly, I think we need to highlight some of the great aspects. It also creates a culture where men feel more engaged. And I had to learn, Joe, also how to ease up. And, and what the, my counselor told me is, she's like, Corey, your husband doesn't see dust and you do. Do you want to keep arguing about that? And it was a really good situation for me to say, you're right. I keep picking something that's very narrow um, when there's so many good things happening. So I think it has been a constant negotiation. And Mike and I are very open about we've been to marital counseling a number of times. We call those tune ups <laughs> um, because it is, it's a lot of work, especially when we're managing through this role reversal situation. Mm-hmm. There's one thing and one thing, a key thing, because I, 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 I was going to actually talk about that. Uh, um, being the family manager, I thought that was very interesting getting promoted, Mike. Because um, <laughs> you know, you don't really think about that too much. To be honest, you just think you, you just do what you have to do, and and and, and sometimes even being stay at home moms too, you don't realize how much actual organization you do and how much work, and, and and you don't even think about it, you just do it. Oh my gosh, I was yeah. joking around with Mike that. Um, when I think, because I haven't worked in corporate for a while, looking at competencies and stuff, when I think about what is really required today of workers to be adaptable and flexible, um, you know, we we joke around a lot that Mike says, well, you know, I had four bosses all the time that my job was 24-7. And so I think you're absolutely right. There's not enough credit given to at-home parents um, for really, you know, at, with between four dogs, uh, among four dogs and three kids, uh, three three kids and what do we have? What do we have? Three, three dogs, three, four three, kids. <laughs> seven of something, you know. <laughs> um, there can be a crisis at any moment of the day. And um, and the reason we call the book Zag Zig, quite frankly, is we really think everybody zigzags through life. There's rarely that perfect day that we all dream of. But we call it Zag Zig because our role reversal, we kind of had a Zag Zig through life. But all of us have to do that. And I think to your point, uh, at-home parents have an incredible job managing um, a household and family and and many people's lives. <laughs> but it's um, you, um interesting, and I think it's something I read about too is treating treating like the uh, family like a company. Like, do you how do you organize that? Do you do, you do like it's it you have a schedule? Or how how does that work? Because it's you guys have a lot of things going on. Yeah, well, let me that Mike speak first because he didn't love that initially. When yeah, I, I was not all about that. <laughs> I, um, when when they were young, I quickly embraced the um, the planner and um, the Palm Pilot actually. So I <laughs> carried the little, yeah. yeah I carried the uh, what was it what kind of planner yeah, was it called oh, anyway Franklin, Franklin yep. I carried the Franklin planner in one hand Joe to write out all my dates to keep everything in and then I had my calendar in my um, Palm Pilot one of those first Palm Pilots so. 
I had, I had four kids on these two things everywhere I went. I wouldn't leave. I mean, I might leave a kid home, but I'm not going to forget those things. <laughs> and, and I think it, it's both a blessing and a curse. I think that where it gets challenging is um, as, a, as a career woman, I've been exposed often to project plans. I often say business people are just maniacal problem solvers, but same thing at home. Mm-hmm. We have different tools to do that with. And, um, and so there are times where I introduce tools that Mike would say, do not work with me. I, I don't want you guys. <laughs> yeah. Don't let her talk about the project plan. She put all of us. <laughs> he, he, project plans in our house is like, as soon as I say the word project plan, I think Mike gets hives and he starts sweating. So <laughs> <laughs> could you like to describe what a project plan would sound like? Yeah, yeah. So for for me, you know, I I tell you, like, uh, you know, I've had a managed project. So for me, it's really natural at um, in a corporation or a place where you're looking at you have a deadline, maybe September 19th for a project to be done. And so there's all those back steps that it takes to get something done and then have contingency plans if something happens. So that's, you know, there's there are people that have actually certifications in project management. We have good friends that have their certification, but I've had to use those tools a lot. So in our house, when I say to Mike, hey, why don't we declutter? Let's have a goal of getting it done by, you know, I'll make that up, September 19th. And he'll say, oh, okay. <laughs> and that's it. You know, and then like, bye. And so my thing is, you know, I'm always like, the more we put something off, Mike, like cleaning out closets, it becomes a monster when you finally have a deadline. But if we did a little bit each day, and this is, I would say, Joe, we've never resolved this. Um, this is where I think the 180 and Mike and I come out where we approach things very differently that, um, that I like to like have a plan and say, okay, let's get this little bit done. And for Mike, he kind of likes a little more flexibility. I like to chill as my son would say. (laughs) (laughs) So I think some of those tools, and then even for me, like, uh, one of the chapters I write about is putting my child on a a performance improvement plan. I think something (laughs) different for Mike and I is, um, that I'm just a continuous improvement person just by nature. And so, of course, in a, in a work environment, in a large organization environment, it's always about how do you do better the next year? And I, I've always worked in publicly traded companies, so that's always the mantra. How do you better the quarter over quarter, year over year? And so that's ingrained in me. And so I'm continually pushing the family in this sense. So, you know, when our oldest child was like, I think, three years old, she came home with a preschool report card that says she wasn't cutting correctly. So, of course, that night I get lines on a paper. I'm like, we're going to practice this. And I write in the book that after uh, after she cuts two lines, she wants to get up from the table. And, of course, I'm, like, devastated. Like, oh, your job's not done. We're not done on your, your project plan. And Mike, you know, removes the, the scissors from my hand, not sure what I'm going to do next. With these <laughs> uh, and so it is, yeah, I, I don't, it's funny when we've talked to other people because I think it doesn't, that is really not a universal male or female trait. I think we've talked to couples where the man is more like I am and the woman is different. So I think in, a, in couples, there's typically one is more dominant than the other in terms of that style. And I, so I think it just, you know, it's always good. There's someone that wants to chill. It just creates from some interesting conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I, bet, I bet it does. <laughs> Cause it can, be, it can probably, you know, some they see here parents like push kids a little more than cause they want them to do good. And then it's nothing yeah. wrong with that, but sometimes, could be a little bit too much. No, and I actually, I give Mike tons of credit for that. I mean, Mike's, you know, I'm the one that's saying, okay, let's make sure we do this by this day. And Mike is looking at me. And like he said earlier, I think um, 
had in I, even our kids. So in the book, each of our kids write a chapter in the book from their perspective. Mm-hmm. But even our kids will say, oh, my gosh, if mom had been home with us, we would have been <laughs> so much different. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, and I, you know, Mike, you can speak to even some of the, some of the other traits you have, like you're, you're much more nurturing than I am in terms of physical health and just other aspects. Of yeah. So, uh, you know, when we were, when the kids were younger, if we were outside all, all six of us playing around or whatever, and one of them had fallen and scraped their knee, if they're standing right next to mom, they might look at mom, but they're going to run over to me for, <laughs> for the empathy and for the cleaning off the, the boo-boo and that sort of thing. Um, but now that they're older and the girls are left home, now they're, I was all that for them. And now they're calling mom. And, uh, I, I just remember the first time that happened, standing outside of the room, pretending like I was not listening, but listening the whole time, like what is going on? I, I've taken care of all of their issues up until now. Now they're calling mom for help. <laughs> but so, takes a team. It takes a team to raise the raise the kids. Yeah, I think I I do want to give a shout out out there, and I know that a lot of families um, sometimes there is not a team available, and so I think that that's I want to respect that. This is how it's worked for us, but I recognize that um, many of my friends that are uh, single parents or you know it, it, that what I feel like is I at least but both of us get some relief. Like it right. used to be when I would come home from work, Mike was like, "Here are the kids," you know, or vice versa. And I think, gosh, there are single parents that that's, they don't get that break. <laughs> so I, you know, but then the village becomes just a very different village. So I do think that, um, that I really am a big believer that it takes a village to, to raise a child. And we're, we've been blessed by many good people in our lives who have been great influences and helped us. Since your kids were older, did you remember the season of life when they were younger that you just, everything just kept going, going, and you're like, there's no breaks or anything? How'd you guys deal with stuff like that? So let me, let yeah. me explain what a normal weekend would be like <laughs> in our, literally on Friday, I would sit down. So wait, how are the kids? Well, Ke- we moved well, here when Kenzie was probably, they were fifth grade, third grade, first grade, and preschool. So that's probably about, yeah, yeah so some, so somewhere in that range. But so on a Friday, I would sit down and, um. I would work out a spreadsheet for my wife and it would say, this is what time you're leaving. You're leaving in the morning. These are the children you're taking with. These are the bags that you must have in your car. Here are the directions where you're going and I'll see you at dinner because literally it was two or three things we each had either to soccer, to swimming lessons or to, uh, um, to dance or whatever it would be. And literally on the weekends, we would barely see each other until the end of the night. And we, we laugh to this day. And so if our youngest child listening to this, we'll, we might reveal a secret right now. But our uh, <laughs> when we first lived here, we had four children each playing soccer. Oh, wow. And um, at that point, you know, we're definitely in zone defense. You're no longer man to man after you go, you go to three, four kids. Well, we only knew like one person in town here. And so I called her up and I said, would you please do me a favor? Our youngest is playing his first soccer match. We're going to be there for the first five minutes. Would you mind coming and watching his game? And she brought a friend. Now he was thrilled because more than one person watched his game. <laughs> but to this day, I've told his siblings, we got a picture. Do not tell him we didn't stay for his first <laughs> soccer game. <laughs> it, it, it can be tough with schedules. It can really, really be tough. 
Yes. Yeah, and I often say to people, you know, it, it, it's our fault, like, right. not that these kids sign them up for everyone to have soccer, everyone to have dance, everyone to have gymnastics, you know. So we kind of, it was self-imposed. And I do think probably some other parents are much more wise than us that tell children, you know, pick one or two activities each year and that's all you do. Um, it worked, but I think definitely to Mike's point, uh, weekends became just managing uh, traffic and chaos and running across town and literally Mike would hand me um, an Excel sheet that said, here's where you need to be. And, and by the way, Joe, I'm just directionally challenged. So when Mike says he handed me Excel sheet, I had to have go past the light on Pacific and turn right here. (laughs) 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 So he had to do a lot of work in that sense. (laughs) There's one thing I'd like to talk about and I, and I really enjoy your website and stuff like that. And and one thing you, and this right when you go to the first page, and it said says this is how we um, feel free to laugh and cry and learn from our chaos, and that was I found that very interesting. Yeah, thanks. I think that um, my passion certainly, and and um, and Mike's too, but I think the passion is idea that this is really about our journey to pay it forward. Um, it's we are not in a position to lecture anyone about parenting, nor, nor do we want to preach to anyone about that. But we have found funny stories along the way that we can laugh at now. I would say living through some of them, they weren't laughter (laughs) moments. Um, But we see tons of pressure on parents today to be perfect. There's the whole, not a new concept, but I'm sure you've seen on Instagram and Facebook and filters. We only put on there what what our kids do extremely well. And it puts a lot of pressure on us. I even have to put myself on uh, Facebook timeout for a while because I'm like, Oh my gosh, look what these kids are. doing!" <laughs> so I think for us, it was a real passion to help other people not feel alone in the parenting chaos that, um, and to, and to laugh really at us and with us. And it's our way to pay it forward to other parents that have helped us. So an example is I have a, there's a great mom. I remember being, um, she had, she had sons and daughters like we, we do. And I remember it, Initially, Mike and I did not want the boys to have guns in the house, any type of nerf, anything. And and she said to me, you know what, Corey, what is going to happen if they find a real gun at a park one day? What do you think they're going to do? She's not saying you should shouldn't monitor that. But if you but her view was if you at least expose them and talk about that, boys are going to make guns out of whatever they have. And and believe me, we've seen it, Joe. And it, they're pretty creative about that. <laughs> um and so it's just, I really appreciate parents like that who have been really supportive of us and given us good advice. And so we're hoping in any way we may help people feel not alone, to laugh with us and at us, and to really feel like, you know, this is all a club we're part of and and not to judge each other, but just we're all trying to figure out the best way for our kids. I got an interest question because I have both of you here. Usually it's one person, but I, I got two <laughs> people tonight. It's like a bonus. Um, <laughs> um I know as a parent, I made those mistakes. I mean, I like, I'm like, I give you an example. My was my first time changing my son and, and that diaper happened to be across the room and I'm stretching the hold in there. And all of a sudden he rolls one way. You know how quick babies are. Oh yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden I snap back, grab them by his leg before he hits the floor. And I felt like the worst parent in the world, but oh. you're like, it just happens like that. Have you ever guys have experienced stuff like that? Especially before oh, kids? My gosh. Yes. Yes. And as a matter of fact, when you said that I have envisioned something, yeah, we, all, we all go to our own place own on that child. stuff. I, mean, I had tons of stuff like that. And it's one to this day, Joe, that I really can't get rid of. And my husband's like, you need to get over that. But even our 
oldest child, um, we'd gotten permission to take her swimming when she was probably a little over, probably four months old. Yeah. And the doctor said it was fine just to expose her to water. And so we took her in the pool and then I went to rinse her off in the sink at the club we were at and the water had turned totally hot. Um, and so this, you know, obviously a little burn mark on her leg to which I'm like in the locker room, Mike's in the other locker room, you know, we're stressed out. And, you know, this child does not have a scar to this day, does not remember it. But I'll tell you what, as a as a teenager, if she knew how to get to me, she would say something like, well, you told me when I was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that I think any number of those stories. Well, yeah. and I forgot my daughter at soccer practice one time. <laughs> <laughs> I was across town shopping, actually, actually. And the coach called me and said, hey, Mike, um, I got I got your daughter here with us and we're back at the house and and still still Joe it didn't register. <laughs> I said, um oh oh yeah 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 I'll be right there. Yeah, I'm on my way. <laughs> and then I think one other one that I have in the book uh that is a famous story in our house that I cannot live down is um we were getting ready for a party and uh and there was something I had asked Mike to do 2 weeks prior and he didn't get to it. It was probably 10th on his list, but first on my list. And um, as each of the kids came into the kitchen to see what was next on their list to do, they on her read project on plan. my project plan. <laughs> you know, one of the kids would read off, oh, what's this red chair? And so I explained it. What's this red chair? Well, the fourth child walked in. It wasn't number four, but it was our fourth one to walk in the kitchen. And at that point, after being asked four times and staring at that red chair, I just went off, Joe. I mean, I was like, like mom out of control. <laughs> Like expletives coming out of my mouth, like fume coming out of my nose, <laughs> and um, and so you know later I apologized. Um, but to this day, my kids will say, "Are you red chair mom mad? Are you are you that?" <laughs> they won't so, get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we've had we've had a fair share of definitely those incidents, and I think that's the thing that um, that sometimes we don't talk about. And our Mike and I are like, let's have those kind of conversations because if we can laugh with each other. Um, I don't want people to feel like they're bad parents. You know, some, some parents I think, you know, don't make good, should do good decisions in the interest of their kids, but that's abuse and far things that we're, you know, we're not addressing here. This book is more about everyday parenting. And, um, and so that's the idea is let's support each other and, and just laugh at those moments now that we can, right? Your son is fine, right? (laughs) (laughs) He's fine. He's perfect. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He won't remember it though. No, no, but you will. Yes, exactly, exactly. exactly. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell him when he gets old that daddy almost dropped you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch out! Don't do it until he's in his twenties, because as yeah. a teenager, he'll use that against no, you. <laughs> Another thing I, I thought, because you guys, like I said, parents of four kids and stuff like that, and it was on your website, and it was a um, priority task, like a planner, and I thought it was yeah. interesting about priority tasks for the day, less than timely things to do. The zag zig moments and inspiration. I don't know if you want to talk a little about that. I thought it might be helpful to other people. Yeah, no, thank you. This is where um, I'm sure Mike designed this. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, actually, Joe, I did it. I'm a big believer in that um, if you don't write down at least your three priorities for the. So, so first of all, I've done the Gallup strengths, and achiever is one of my strengths, which just means I have to accomplish something every day, no matter what, or else I feel like my day is not great. So I've had to learn to develop tools and I was um, sharing those with Mike and the kids. Just write like three things down. You don't have to have 10 parties for the day. That's why it's listed as here's your top three. I even gave people five and then here's your less timely to do. 
Because of course, there's jobs that we have to get done during the day that no one likes to do. Like who likes scrubbing the toilets? None of us like to do that. But if it has to get done, put it on your list because it's going to be much easier to, you know, go walk the dogs at that point than it is to scrub the toilets. But if you get that done, you feel good for the day. And so that was kind of my idea of how do we simplify things, but just put those three things done. And then if you don't get to those other 10 things, it's okay. Cause those aren't as timely for the day. Right. And it's also like, like Corey was saying before, a way to pay it forward to other parents too, to maybe give them a different way to look at organizing their day to, you know, simplify it, break it down and, um, you know, be able to like, feel like you're accomplishing things when, when you have it listed out that certain way. And there are so the reason we put, um, places up there to have an inspirational moment or a memory moment is as Mike and I were writing this, we had to go back and remind ourselves and like your child is younger now. I'm sure that he's saying so many cute things that you think you'll remember. And I'll tell you, you yeah, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, what did they say? When did so, they lose their yeah. first two? <laughs> like our poor fourth child, fourth child again, I, on one of my traditions is every time they, the kids I have a birthday, I bring them breakfast in bed. And usually I retell their birth story and he will ask me a hundred times about his. And that's the least details I can remember. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that any tools and what we put on the website, certainly with that, if anyone has feedback for us and it doesn't work, Hey, let us know, but it's just something we wanted to share back. I got a, since we talked about my son telling the cute things, um, one of the things is funny, especially being four years old, he wants me to go to the store and obviously ask for a toy all the time. I have a toy. (laughs) <laughs> you have you have a boy. You must buy him a toy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I have a boy, but I'm still not buying him a toy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And 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 at that age is like the ultimate negotiator. Uh, if you need somebody to have for contracts or anything, he's good at it. Oh my gosh! So yeah, we learned. I learned not necessarily my wife. Yeah. But I learned early on that uh, it's it's a total losing battle to try to argue with the toddler. It's just not going to work. So yeah. I, I just decided early on, choose my battles. And some things I just, uh, I, I came up with a line and I stole this from somebody else, but it was, uh, I love you too much to argue with you. And I would just try to keep that as my mantra when, when they started to get to that point. Yeah. That's something that Mike, is a master at better than me. So we, I have, I have tried any way till sundown to argue with a toddler and our second child is just very headstrong. And so she was probably three and she wasn't finishing her chicken. I said, okay, let's go to your bedroom. You have to finish this. You know, you can't go outside and play that child chewed that piece of chicken for an hour, Joe. I don't even want to look, but you know, there is some determination there. And I think now we can laugh at it, but when you honestly are living with a toddler and trying to raise and reason and rationale them, it just is not there. And they win every time. <laughs> I walk away frustrated. <laughs> they don't understand reason. Um, yeah. no, no, and they can wear you down. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, one thing I want to discuss is up on your website. If um, anything you like offer, like, you know, I know you, I know, Corey, you do a lot of, you do speaking. Anything you like yeah. to offer? Yeah, no, I, I really enjoy, um, this aspect, my whole thing is having vulnerable conversations about parenting. And, you know, one of my friends read it, she goes, Oh my gosh, Corey, you're very vulnerable in this book. And I said, yeah, that's the whole point. I, 
I want to create an atmosphere where people feel comfortable saying the real story, what's on their mind, so that we don't have to, this is not my term, but somebody used it yesterday. It's kind of like anti-parent shaming, right? It's like, it's like, hey, let's just have the real conversation. My guess is that if someone's thinking something that it's happened to some other parent right. before. And so that's that. I'm also, I would say, Joe, I'm a big advocate of women, not at the expense of men. I I actually I love my husband and I have two great boys. I don't want it to be expensive men, but I also believe that um, you know, research shows that the more women that stay in the workplace, the more all people rise. It's well researched, you know, study. And so I'm I want women to find a way to stay in the workplace if they can. If it doesn't work for them, hey, great. I I know the mommy wars exist. Um, that's not my thing. I'm not looking to judge somebody, but I know they exist. And, and my thing is, how do we kind of encourage and help each other? And so from a speaking standpoint, that's a real passion of mine is encouraging um, women to, uh, again, you know, and the reason I might write it because men are an important part of that in this space. But in, in my case for working women, encouraging working women that, that you can do this, that if you choose to do it, that um, that you can certainly, um, you know, raise fulfilling children and be fulfilled in the career. And I want to be a role model for that. Excellent. And it's a good, it's a good thing because I mean, it, girls need good role models, young girls. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it's funny. Our, it's funny now that our boys are older because even um, when they were younger, we would have a con- all four kids would be in the car, and uh, was my so our oldest is six six years young older than our youngest. Mm-hmm. So I was having a conversation with the girls about you know when when you say no it means no, and so we had and as I looked at the boys who at the time were probably you know three and five, you know? <laughs> and I said, look, when a girl says no, she means no. Do you understand? And they look at me with these blank stares. I'm like, yes, mom. But it's very funny. We had a good conversation the other night at dinner with the boys about um, what it means to be a feminist and supporting women. And I said to the boys clearly, because my son, my 18-year-old, our 18-year-old said, well, you're a big advocate of women. I said, yes, Austin, but not at the expense of of other men. You know, it's really about important that we all rise. And I hope that, you know, that supportive aspect of, of really supporting each other. So it's fun to have real those conversations now. I mean, teenagers can be challenging, yes, but it's fun to have some really rewarding conversations where they start getting the concepts. You're like, oh, they were listening. <laughs> I think sometimes I forget that we were once teenagers before too. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, I you know I definitely agree. And you know when the kids roll their eyes at us, or you know we our oldest isn't you know in college, not necessarily calling us. It, I have to remember that. You know, we didn't have cell phones. We barely called our parents when we were in college. So why are we <laughs> all the stuff you have to remind ourselves exactly? Well, I guess I'm wrapping up final thoughts where they can find you. Anything final thing you want to say? Potting word of advice? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, Joe, thank you for again telling people not to sit on the sidelines. I think that's a really great summary is actively engaging with your kids and and do it in a way that works for you and find um and certainly um, find a supportive network for you to, to build that. I think that's important. And we hope that Zag Zig Parenting can be part of that network. It's one of those books where hopefully you can pick up a glass of wine and and read it. And I think men can too, because Mike, Mike, it's written where from my perspective, Mike gives commentary saying, whoa, 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 she might say this, but here's what really happened. <laughs> and so certainly we would 
appreciate them being part of your network and you can find that at uh, zagzigparenting.com or um, we sell it on amazon.com. Yep. We're on Twitter. We're on uh, Instagram. Follow us there, Zagzig Parenting. We would love to connect with any of your listeners and share stories back and forth. Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Corey, for being on the podcast tonight. I really do appreciate it. And um, have a good evening. You too. Thank Thank you you so much, much, Joe. I really appreciate it. That's all I have for this episode. I want to thank you for joining me in the Note City on the Sideline Dab podcast. And I want to thank Corey Reed and Mike Beck for being guests on the podcast. You can find all about their book, Zag Zing Parenting, at readimage.com. Also, there'll be links in the show notes about how you can touch with Mike and Corey with their social media links and information about them. And also, you can find their book in, on Amazon. There'll be a link in the show notes. Please Also, please comment on the podcast. All comments help improve the podcast. My content mission, if you want to get in touch with me, it's nosittingonthesideline.com slash contact. I guess one thing I take away from this, even Corey and Mike, there's no perfect parent. I mean, what I mean by this, there's no man to be a perfect parent. We're all going to make mistakes. That is part of the journey. The best thing to do is be able to laugh at yourself and take a step back and say, it's going to be okay. Well, thank you for your time. Until next time, have fun. Get involved with your children. Give them a hug and tell them how much you love them. Take care. God bless. See you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media. Foley 42.